Hello and welcome to Beatdown, a musical battle royale. I'm your host, Josh Brunell. The category is panelists on the Beatdown this week and the nominees are... Her favorite movie is Star Wars, her favorite nominee is La La Land, and her favorite Chris is Evans. It's Jennifer Lane, everybody. Good afternoon, Jennifer. <laughs> Good afternoon. Is he a movie buff? Is he even a movie fan? Has he ever even seen a movie? I actually have no idea because I've never asked. Ed, how are you? Have you seen a movie, Ed? I saw Pacific Rim with you. That's right. We watched it together. <laughs> that's right. Oh, so that's, that's right. the one film you've seen. And, that, and that's right, because I remember watching, because Ed, you hate surprises. So the whole time when you watch a movie, you're trying to like outsmart it as you go. I've never watched. I, it's a really interesting experience. I, <laughs> I don't know. It. It, I mean, it would probably be annoying if you didn't already know. But, you know, some of my Pacific Rim fan fiction was legit. I was like, oh, that, <laughs> that could work. That could work. That could work. Yeah, you would make a suggestion and then it would turn out to be wrong. Like, you'd be like, they're going to, uh, he's going to kill her. And then it would turn out not to happen. And you'd be like, but it would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. that was hilarious. Um, and last but not least, he's a writer, he's a producer, and he has a very complicated relationship with Java, the programming language, not the liquid. Uh, he is Brett Schlank, everybody. Good afternoon, Brett. Hey, Josh. Welcome to the show. Hey, Thank man. you very much. Thanks so, for asking me. So Brett and I work at uh, together at DreamWorks. I did want to ask you, though, Brett, uh, you host a very popular show called The Drinking Game. I do. Uh, or A Drinking Game in, in Los Angeles. Tell us a little bit about A Drinking Game and uh, how it works. So basically, A Drinking Game is a stage reading of some movie. Um, there's actors and uh, a host. I'm the host, and I'm reading what most people call stage directions, which aren't actually stage directions. When uh, <laughs> one of the actors says one of the characters' name, the person playing that character has to drink. So if we were doing something like, uh, I don't know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and someone said Ferris, Ferris would drink. And then we pull out some words from the script, and anytime any of them are said out loud, a bell rings, and the audience drinks. And uh, Oh, yes, we do. We've been to the show several times, and one of my favorite parts about the show is, for the most part, the audience all gets their buzz at the same moment. <laughs> and you can see it kind of wash over the audience, where you're in this group with like 100, 150 people, and everybody's drinking. And you'll just hear like the laughter, be like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, like everybody gets it. Yeah, usually right before intermission and we all make a mad dash for the restrooms. That's true. Yes, that takes a while. And don't you have like, (laughs) you have certain rules, which of course you break all the time, but things like they're not supposed to, the actors don't leave their chairs. There's some kind of like rubric you create around it. So you're not just staging a movie, you're reading a movie. Yeah, it is supposed to be a staged reading kind of, hey, I'm going to come see my friends play and I'm just going to watch them read it. Uh, No. People are not supposed to get up and walk around and move. Uh, we weren't even, go- weren't even going to have costumes. But mm. uh, one of the actors, Alan Rickert, can I say his name? You, of course. Of course. Like, yes, one I of the know. actors, Alan Rickert, showed up to our first <laughs> his show. His name isn't oh, sorry, oh, go ahead. copyrighted or anything, right? <laughs> no, That's true. That's we, true. We owe him a dollar every time he says his name. <laughs> he showed up to the first show as uh, Prince Humperdinck with a crown and a cape. So we drop the no costumes uh, <laughs> thing. Which makes it super fun when certain characters or, or certain actors are playing multiple characters and they sort of do this like quick change in between. It's very fun. While yes. sitting in their chairs. While sitting in their chairs and reading a script <clears throat> and drinking. And and there's always great gimmicks. Like my favorite gimmick is still when Natalie played like 
15 different characters over the course of the show and every time she would change it was when you're doing groundhog day and every time she would change characters she'd tear off another hello my name is name sticker and put it on (laughs) and so if the two characters were having a conversation she would put on a sticker say the line put on the next sticker say the next line and would just keep circling through so by the end of the show she had like a hundred hello my name is stickers on her chest it was very fun yeah she's great (laughs) it's a lot of creativity if you live in la getting tickets to a drinking game is not easy actually sells out fast actually be quite quite hard to get tickets but if you can get tickets it's quite fun so uh welcome to the show brett uh how you been ed how's your week um my week's been good just nothing (laughs) I, i like how i i like instituted this segment i'm like i don't have anything interesting to say except um <laughs> i just discovered like moments for the podcast that they've that spotify has since added a uh like a slew of j-pop which is ex- very exciting it's like like what when did this happen that's interesting and then i googled it apparently happened in like september last year <laughs> but to me it's news well and the other big spotify pandora news is they all got uh prince this week or last week yeah because prince uh historically was very anti-streaming he mm-hmm. really believed in people need to but buy it, my music he wouldn't put his music is less anti-streaming yes. exactly <laughs> the prince of state realized like you know he's not going to be making any more records so we got to pay the bills somehow um but uh, it's interesting i mean there's a certain question there i don't know jennifer do you have an opinion on like should the prince of state honor prince's life wishes or should they you know go with what they think is right for the legacy well i mean my my first reaction is they should honor his wishes but it's easy for me to say that sitting here yeah um and for you know, f- for them, they, they have a whole different, you know, I- I set of questions and, and demands and so forth. And you're right, he's not going to be making any more music. So maybe this is a way to continue his legacy, not just monetize it, but making sure that, you know, other generations will still be able to find him. Yeah, it, it, there's a cer- there's a certain dated thinking to being like, I don't mm-hmm. want to be on Spotify, which worked for him because mm-hmm. he was Prince. But, you know, uh, yeah. Brett, you one of the other shows you do is Monty Python, where you have an all female cast recreating the sketches of Monty Python. And you actually were fortunate enough to have Eric Idle come to the show and kind of bless the show. But if if the opposite had been true, like, say, one of Monty Python was like, we actually don't like people doing stuff like this, even though it's perfectly legal for you to do the show. Do you? believe that the artists kind of like their wishes should be honored in that case or is the work more important than that well i have to say first that eric idol is the nicest person in the world and i love him <laughs> so much the picture of you with him is pretty it's amazing so good. he's just he's just fantastic and uh, he just like heard the show was happening and showed up randomly one night i don't know what the sequence of events leading up to that actually were but i think there was an advanced team and then he came and he couldn't have been kinder or more gracious or more complimentary and and it, it's just a testament to how great those guys were and how great the material was. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. But if they told us to stop, I would stop. Oh, okay. Yeah. I respect their wishes. That's mm-hmm. that, that's where I'm lying. Interesting. My, my thoughts on this is that in 2086, all of Prince's material is going to be uh, public domain anyways. <laughs> so, I mean, and 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 also, like, there's a, there's a certain a bit of, like, no no one alive in 2086 is probably going to care about prince that much like all things considered so if if not now then when i don't, don't want to know. know that world 
Yeah, I think that <laughs> you don't like, want to live in a world where as that long as human beings are getting matter. married, they're gonna play 1999. Yeah, like I think it's just the way the world <laughs> works. <laughs> I think it's the way humanity's wired. Adults and children, friends and neighbors, we find ourselves here charged with the grand and honorable task of a beatdown, wherein we choose a theme and each of us brings a song we think is the ultimate representation of that theme. We will present our picks, make our case, and then you, the listener, will vote on who you think brought it the best and reigns supreme in the beatdown this week our topic is songs for movies in honor of this year's oscar telecast but before we can get to that and i have a very important question to you why is this song so good (laughs) this song is so good i can't even deal with how good this is i hate Katy perry no you don't want to do is listen to this song you say you hate Katy perry but you don't and i mean Reasons that you like it include it probably is like catchy, has the has all the Max Martin flair that a traditional Katy Perry song would have. It most likely aligns with your political agenda, and it call and it calls out the it calls out the listener as being a zombie. So it's like it's like <laughs> like what do you want? What do you want, Josh? I played this with Jennifer this morning, and she was like, "I want a pina colada right now." I, I want to be on a beach. <laughs> so yeah, call me a robot. I don't care. Oh, it's so good, Brett. It's, it's very fun. This song is "Chained to the Rhythm," the new Katy Perry single. Have you heard this before? I have not heard it before. Oh my god, it's yeah. so good. Let's listen to it for a second. I can't even deal. Like, I just want to <laughs> listen to it all the time. <laughs> I, I, I've certainly listened to it like 10 plus times on repeat several times already. Well, and the running joke that you and I always have, it is that we pretty much disagree on everything. Uh, musically, we'll like occasionally stumble onto something we agree on. But for the most part, you know, you and I just come at things from a pretty different angles uh so to stumble onto something like Katy perry's new single being the thing we both love is kind of amazing we both love firework though so don't like like this is this is max martin at his best but so. i don't think firework has aged that well i i, I don't know i was listening to after came to the rhythm i was like i need to listen to more katie so fair firework uh, the one that got away, E.T. I was like, ah, classics. <laughs> I like that trash that's birthday. But Jennifer, you were saying this morning that like the traditional Katy Perry song is like the things you do on a Friday and the dumb mistakes you make while drunk. And that this is like, oh, you know, this song is like a metaphor for a political activism. Like it's really kind of fascinating. It is, but it also has, yeah, it has that addictive beat that you just, you just can't not move to. And I think it's, I think it's fun, but I did hear it for the first time this morning. So <laughs> still processing. It, it's, it's better on the re-listen. Oh yeah, Cer- certainly. Like, yeah. But it was instantly fun. I mean, that's that's the other thing about you know a good pop song. It just it, it it's instantly familiar and and fun. But also, this one is actually different. And if you pay attention to the lyrics, it gives you a lot to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's literally a pop song that's about like how pop music makes you uh, go to sleep. Like, well, and then, <laughs> the dangers of pop music. <laughs> they've, um, so, but speaking of that, there's, um, I was reading this article the other day on Variety that I don't know if it's Apple or iTunes, um, but they're taking algorithms that they use to recommend 
you know, similar music, and they're breaking down songs, and they're going to have artificially, in, artificially intelligent, artificial intelligence uh, actually produce pop songs. Like yeah, yeah. they are literally having machines engineer what you know, the perfect pop song for people based on what we listen to and what we like now. And somewhere Avril Lavigne just said, oh, thank God. <laughs> no, no, she's probably nervous. But uh, uh, I know that some, something similar is happening with fiction. Like al- they're, mm. they, they are working on algorithms to write books. Like, uh, like if you think a creative field is safe from automation, you are incorrect. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. They, I can't remember who did it, but there was some robots, some artificial intelligence mm-hmm. that wrote a movie script, mm-hmm. and then they produced the first. They produced ten minutes of the script, and it was some sci-fi thing, and it was just horrible. Transformers? No, that, that was horrible. <laughs> no, uh, Transformers: Dark Side of the Moon. Oh. Yes, that must have been it. That must <laughs> yes. have been. It. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm not saying it's there yet, but it, like, give, give algorithm some time and some machine learning some time it's an interesting yeah it's an interesting thought experiment i mean at the end of the day though yeah you can create a pop song that'll be indelible for five to ten minutes and i think these all algorithms will probably be able to create pop songs that eventually once they get smart enough can create things that will be fun for five to ten minutes but like the end of the day there is that kind of intangible x factor that makes something pop and so maybe the goal is if we can get an algorithm that can generate a hundred thousand songs one of them will be good like one of them will just stumble upon having something magical um i don't know i mean that's 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 how max martin writes songs so i guess it still works like it's the same theory um i don't know it's an interesting I feel like max thought. martin just adds enough layers to songs till they become magical <laughs> that's like because he's like thousands of tracks on a single song and like you don't I can't like... stop the feeling <laughs> <laughs> well let's get to that uh, uh last week our topic was songs from 2016 uh i brought angel olsen's garage rock please shut up kiss me ed brought leonard cohen's rocket to the crypt you want it darker our guest uh ryan brought bonnie Vare's folktronica masterwork 22 too soon but it was jennifer who brought us all to the dance floor at our cousin's wedding with Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Feeling. Oh, yeah. The Trolls Horrific Can't Stop the Feeling. Jennifer, congratulations on Thank your big you. victory. I yeah, would imagine. You ran away with it. I would imagine, Brett, that of those four songs, you had at least heard Can't Stop the Feeling because you work with me at DreamWorks. We've witnessed you listen to it. <laughs> I was in the music video for you it. Were in the yes, video. you were. Yeah. We should post that on the. No, please well, don't. We will. No, we go will. ahead. <laughs> it's fantastic. It is pretty funny. Um, uh, Brett, do you have a favorite song of 2016? It's Can't Stop the Feeling. Oh, good for you. Aww. It really is. <laughs> oh my it gosh, is such a you. fun song. And I, when I saw the video, I can't release it from the song. And mm-hmm. there's an actor in there, Ron Fuchs. Ron Fuchs? Funches. Funches. Ron Thank Funches. you. Ron Funches. Yeah. And I think he is just the funniest thing alive. He's amazing. Yeah. He's oh, wow. great. <laughs> I don't think I've watched the official video. That's so funny. Like I've I've watched the DreamWorks uh, Glendale campus video. I watched DreamWorks India video. Yeah, the China I watched, video. I watched the, the China OVW video. video. <laughs> I was like, but I don't think I've actually watched the official video. And, and it it is a pretty fun video. It largely uh, rips off Sarah Bareilles' Brave, but you know that's the third time I've mentioned that song on this show, so I'm just going to keep talking about it. Uh, Sarah, will you just reach out to Josh? Episode eight, Josh so needs a under fifty percent. <laughs> oh, Ed. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, well, let's get into this week. This week, our topic is songs from movies um, in honor of this year's Oscar telecast. Um, this is not a big surprise that I hate award shows. Uh, personally, 
Jennifer and I used to have an Oscars tradition where she would watch the Oscars and I would go in the other room and watch The Karate Kid. Yes. Because Ooh. at least that way I was guaranteed some enjoyment. Every year. Every and, year. And sometimes if I was pausing, because I'd, I'd start the telecast at 5 when it begins, but then I'd pause and then, you know, we'd have dinner and go back. So sometimes I'd catch him on Karate Kid 2 or even 3 at that point. Oh, yes. Like he, sure. he just he just kept running through them all. But usually I do pause it and I make her come watch the last five minutes of The Karate Kid oh, because that's the cry. greatest five minutes ever. Uh, I don't watch, every time. I don't watch the Oscars, but I know that, uh, Jennifer, you're a big Oscars nerd. And Brett, I imagine you must be an Oscars guy as well. Uh, you know, I, I like the bits that are in between the awards, but I don't like the awards themselves. Mm -hmm. If I could just watch the speeches and the clips, I'd be fine. I don't need the rest of it. Mm, okay. <laughs> Jennifer, what are your thoughts on the Oscars? You know, it's it's something that as a kid I would watch with my, my parents. And they would let me stay up late because, you know, on the East Coast, it didn't start until 8 or 8.30. It would go to midnight you know, at least, so, but they'd let me stay up and watch it. So it was, it was sort of a family tradition. My family was always really into movies. Um, always, you know, had the, you know, like this grand dream of like, Ooh, someday we'll visit California. And now I'm actually living here, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> and your parents are living, <laughs> here, as well. living here. And my niece is living here. They're following me out here. It's an awesome place. You're a very <laughs> popular lady. Yeah. I could be less likable, I suppose. But um, so for me, it was kind of a family tradition. And then when I started working in the, the home entertainment industry, um, you know, I managed a video store for many years. We would do big Oscar parties. So it was always just, it was always something really fun, a fun thing to look forward to. And, um, you know, would always like the, the two, three weeks leading up, we'd, we'd do our best and scramble and try to catch all the movies. And there were years when I had seen all the t best picture nominees on all of the top acting and, um, acting and supporting acting category films. Wow. So, I mean, I would see everything. <laughs> now I'm lucky. I think I've seen four of the nine nominees. So, but that said, I still love it. It's super fun. Yes, it's it's kind of absurd. Hollywood telling Hollywood how great Hollywood is, but it's still fun and I love it. I thought, the, I thought the SAG Awards was that the SAG Awards. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because that one it is a little bit different because it's um, I think it's just actors nominating actors and voting on actors mm. as opposed to um anybody peripherally related in the um movie industry so it can be you could have writers producers everybody nominating and voting on certain categories so it's it's a little different yeah i mean arguably that's what all award shows are uh but uh yeah i i don't really I get, yeah, I guess that's the problem I have with the Oscars is I just find it so self-congratulatory. Mm -hmm. And also, I find it really sterile, uh, except for the occasional, like, mistake, uh, which is <laughs> usually kind of entertaining. Ed, uh, do you watch the Oscars? I know the Grammys are your award show of choice, but do you watch the Oscars? Um, I have in my life, but the only award show that I watch is the Grammys, like, for, like, that I make a point to. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, so we're talking about music and movies this week. And uh, what I like about all four of our picks is that they're all kind of varying. Like, they're kind of a... Um, they, they all kind of interpret this topic a little differently. And so I brought up a randomizer this week. The guest always goes last because he has the benefit of going last. But I brought up a randomizer this week and we're going to randomize Josh, Jen, and Ed. The order is going to be Jen's up first. Wow. Okay. 
Well, she didn't win. You so know, I like, watched I, him I, click I, the button, <laughs> and I still feel like something was wrong. Did you build this randomizer? No, I did not. This is at random.org. I just pulled it up online. Oh, my god! I, I love random.org, for the record. Oh, everything is on the internet. <laughs> it is. I mean, do you have a, a coin flip? App. <laughs> With the, I used ran- to have one on my The phone. randomizer has spoken, Jennifer. You're all right, all right. I, I, I can take it. Um, <laughs> well, this week I brought what I feel is the you know quintessential 80s song that is inescapably tied to the quintessential 80s film for me, which was The Breakfast Club. So... My song is Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Won't you come see about me? I'll be alone. Dancing, you know it, baby. Tell me your troubles and doubts. Giving me everything inside and out of Love strange, so real in the dark. Think of the tender things. Uh, don't you forget about me which is it's just it's so definitively 80s it's got that that rock but synth pop sound that was very popular Uh, simple minds is a scottish band they actually didn't write it it was written by two guys from uh, nita hagen band who first approached billy idol and the fix and oh gosh who was the other one um and Brian Ferry to record it, and they wow. said no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, then they approached Simple Minds, and Simple Minds was like, "No, we really kind of want to record our own stuff." They were, you know, they they hadn't really broken out in the U.S., and they were still, you know, doing okay in the charts in the U.K. But um, Chrissy Hines, who was then married to the lead singer uh, Jim Kerr, he she started pressuring him he's like she's like this is a great song you should record this so finally they gave in they recorded it and apparently they you know it's it's written that they they spent three hours recording it and then they never thought about it again like they just <laughs> they just walked away and then when the movie came out it um it actually this was their one and only number one u.s hit and on the charts well not even alive and kicking went big wow. i mean and that was you know that was later I think Alive and Kicking and, oh, what's that other song that they had that was really popular? Um, there are so many songs that were uh, really popular because of soundtracks. I mean, this was like in the beginning. I mean, I guess Saturday Night Fever was probably like the first soundtrack I ever listened to as a kid. My dad had it on vinyl. But this is the first soundtrack I purchased on a cassette. And I played this over and over and over again. My friend Laurie and I went to see The Breakfast Club. And then I was going away skiing for a week and I wasn't going to see anybody. And I was like... The, last thing I did before I left is I, I went out and I purchased this um, this uh, cassette soundtrack. If you don't know anything about uh, The Breakfast Club, it's a John Hughes film about, uh, you know, just, just wanting to fit in. You know, high school is a hard time for everybody, no matter if you are the popular kid or the jock or the weirdo or the geek, you know, it was hard for everybody. So this, uh, so the movie just really resonated with me because I was a senior in high school when it came out 
and just all of the the themes of just you know wanting wanting to be accepted you know wanting to be liked and not be pigeonholed as you know one thing so that is why i think this is the quintessential movie song because you can't hear this and not think of the movie and john hughes like he wrote so many wonderful films and pretty much for like every stage of your life and for a filmmaker who you know most of his films were, were, were pretty white middle america the themes in the films resonated with everybody no matter where you're from and that is like he he is one of my favorite filmmakers and you know really really sad we lost him so early it's true um, well and then he retired so well, well effectively retired so long before he actually died yeah but still so young so there you go simple minds don't you forget about me i mean that's a, that's a great pick i mean if you were to say think of like the most successful songs that came out of movies like oh. this is probably you know commercially in the top 10 without mm -hmm. question i think you brought up the top 10 list of most uh commercially successful movie songs and number one was like to serve with love or something yeah oh it's oh it's something yeah i mean that was definitely like there. the theme from the summer place like yeah. that was very commercially successful song from mm -hmm. a movie um i this song also is I find kind of almost inescapably like you almost can't separate this song oh, no. from the breakfast club. Yeah. I mean, it's been played in many other films, you, you know, like pitch perfect. They did it. Um, <clears throat> oh my gosh. There's, yeah, there's a handful of other films that it was also featured in, but you still, you still think of the breakfast club. And even when it was featured in this film, it was with the intent of creating the theme of, you know, what happened in the breakfast club. Billy Idol does it in concert a lot now. He does it in concert. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's his way of being like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have turned that one down. Yeah. And he did actually do a cover of it in his uh, a 2001 compilation. So of his greatest hits, which is like, really? Uh, now, I know Breakfast Club, Brett, is right up your alley. Do you have deep opinions about Breakfast Club in this song? Uh, I kind of agree with Jen in the fact that the song kind of frames the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Like you, you have this group, they're thrust together. Uh, what happens after no one knows but the, the one want everyone wants is to kind of be together and they're just saying just you know whatever you do just don't forget about me okay <laughs> and it, it's a great song it's a catchy song and I wore out the 45 that I bought <laughs> yeah <playing it. laughs> Ed what's your connection to this one I mean I know we did this on Glee I remember talking about this song on Glee uh, what's your connection to don't you forget about me I mean, it's sort of like cover songs that I've heard through Glee, American yeah. Idol, etc. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, and I've, I've never, I've never seen The Breakfast Club, which is like probably not good. <laughs> but, but as discussed at the top of the show, I don't watch many films. Um, I. I, I yeah. I don't even know what to say to that one, Ed. <laughs> well, but that that puts it in, in that puts this song in an interesting context for you, then, Ed. Like without the Breakfast Club, which really to me this song is inescapable from that, mm -hmm. and so it's hard for me to even think about what this song may mean outside of the story of that movie. What is your connection to this song, Ed? If you don't actually know the Breakfast Club. I I mean, I feel like it's a quintessential '80s song. Like ah, if okay. you if you ask, like that's like my thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good on the, you know, because it's our job to look at both sides of the story. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how well this song exists on its own. Uh, I wonder, uh, does this I mean, song have a life fine. outside the Breakfast Club? I think it's very catchy. Oh, oh all right. yeah. yeah and... 
Oh, sorry. Okay. No, go ahead. If I, was, if, if I was going to some club, like we used to go to three of clubs and they had an 80s night there, mm-hmm. that this would be one of the songs that would play. If I didn't know it, I'd still enjoy the heck out of that song. Does it age outside the 80s or is this does this song only exist in the 80s? You know what? Given the fact that the Killers and a bunch of other bands are doing music that was, that was damn it, that were popular in the 80s, yeah. that mm-hmm. type of style. Mm-hmm. I think it, if they someone released it now, I think it would still be fine. That's I, actually a good point. The Killers could totally cover this song. <laughs> yeah. that, would be, that would be a solid choice. I think it's more of a, I think less so the song itself, but like the inspiration the song provides. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the effects when I was listening to this morning, it, it, like, it felt very 80s. And, but that being said, when I, when I, when I have gone to 80s night, like twice in my life to a bar this is this would be one of the songs i knew so that excited me okay. i always want i always want more in excess at those things and it doesn't it rarely happen i always but want like, more in excess all the time i know just like in my life they, they are so good I actually, in excess is so good i did yeah. see in excess um probably about 15 years ago when they had their new lead singer before they even did the tv the, show the rock star in excess uh thing but they were so good so one other thing is uh john leland from spin magazine wrote don't You Forget About Me is a, romant- a romantic and melancholy dance track, therefore cuts ice both in the living room and on the dance floor. What? So, I mean, there you go, right there. It, it's, it's, it's just a perfect song. That's beautiful. Yeah. So that's Jennifer's pick this week for songs for movies, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. Uh, according to the randomizer, I'm up next. And... Um, the randomizer. I've name-checked uh, my coworker David Gardner a couple times on this show because he listens, and he always has very vocal opinions <laughs> about this show and most other things. Uh, but he likes to listen to the show and then come by my desk and tell me how I'm doing it wrong. And uh, <laughs> last oh, can week... He, can he send me his note? <laughs> so, <laughs> so last week he came by and he said, your problem is... You, uh, at the top of the show, you say, everyone's going to bring the ultimate representation of the theme. And then you bring some weird outside thing where you're trying to come at this theme from an angle and you're breaking the rules of your own podcast. That's what he told me last week. So this week I'm going right at it. And I, (laughs) so this week I picked a song from one of the greatest movies ever made by one of the most fascinating filmmakers to ever make films. It is a song by one of the greatest groups to ever make music, but don't let that sway your opinion at all because I'm going right at it. This week, my song is Fight the Power by Public Enemy. So, Fight the Powers by Public Enemy. Public Enemy, which consists of Chuck D, one of the greatest rappers ever, Terminator X, one of the greatest DJs ever, and Flavor Flav, one of the most in the right time, (laughs) in the right place at the right time guys ever. Uh, 
It was released in June 1989, and it was originally conceived by Spike Lee. So Spike Lee had just made Do the Right Thing, and he said, uh, what's the quote? He wanted a song. He said, I wanted it to be defiant. I wanted it to be angry. I wanted it to be very rhythmic. I thought right away of Public Enemy. So he went to Public Enemy. He said, I've got this movie. He told them the story, and uh, Chuck D was on a plane flying to London, and he wrote the song and was immediately inspired. Do the Right Thing is one of the greatest American films of all time. It is Spike Lee's masterpiece. Uh, he wrote, directed, produced, and starred in the movie. And it's uh, the story of a Brooklyn neighborhood on the hottest day of the year. It's all centered around Mookie, which is Spike Lee's character. He delivers pizza for Sal, played by Danny Aiello. And uh, <laughs> they, it, it's just a microcosm of this community playing out all the racial tensions that existed in the late 80s. And it's just one of those movies that... You watch it and it's so funny and frightening and heartbreaking and beautiful and it culminates in this moment of extreme violence, um, which is even not all that extreme in the broad scheme of things. But because you've been living with these characters for the last 90 minutes, it is just heartbreaking to watch. And it is drawn with these characters throughout the movie. Every character in the movie is a really kind of crystallized racial experience in America. Every character has a very specific perspective and it's all kind of playing in. It was Spike Lee, one of the things that's fascinating about him is he's so random. Like he'll make an amazing movie and then he'll make that World War II movie that he did with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which is like barely watchable. And uh, then he'll make Inside Man, which is like a, a thriller with Denzel Washington and like mm -hmm. will make a gazillion dollars. Like he's such a fascinating filmmaker and he's totally inconsistent and he really likes the Knicks. Um and there's just something amazing about him. And he made this movie when he was 32, did everything himself and just crushed it. I, I could, I, I guess I have all these notes about like wanting to talk about do the right thing. Cause I think it's so great, but it's just a fantastic, fantastic movie. And so it went to, uh, he went to public enemy and he said, I want a song that just kicks off my film. So you're watching this movie and you don't see anything. And then it comes up on just Rosie Perez in a pair of boxing gloves, punching the camera while this song plays. And it's so impactful. And it just puts you in this state of mind for what's about to come. And like, even as a white, kid growing up in Southern California feeling that I really remember watching this movie and feeling I have really no place in this film. Like my personal experience doesn't exist here. And yet by the end of the movie, I was so prevailed upon about the experiences. And so much of that is this, the way the story is told and this song, like everyone feels kind of invigorated and a part of this fight, even if they really have, you know, they feel they have no place in the fight, but this song really brings you into the experience. And I just think it's magical. I think it's great. Um, it, the song incorporates uh, all kinds of different samples. Um, the music of James Brown, black church services, civil rights actions, they're all kind of sampled and included musically. Uh, it was released on the movie soundtrack and on Fear of a Black Planet, which is the best public enemy album. Uh, it reached number one on the hot rap singles and number 20 on hot R&B singles. It was named the best single of 1989 by the Village Voice. 
Uh, it has was named. Uh, it was ranked number 288 in the Songs of the Century by the Recording Industry Association of America and the National Endowment for the Arts. I don't know that you can top Fight the Power. I think Fight the Power is just a piece of musical brilliance as a part of a movie, which is one of our great American movies. <laughs> I, okay, at first I was a little surprised when you told me you were, you were picking this because, uh, you know, of all the films and all all the songs in all the films <laughs> but i mean it, i remember when i saw this the first time and i had not seen anything like it and it you know it was um, it was just incredible it was it was it was frightening it was moving it was heartbreaking it was you know inspiring and um yeah it's i mean as as is you know for for a song to like from from this you know from the first words that are spoken it just really it it sets up the you know the tone and the the, the mood of the film so perfectly so i think it's i think it's a great choice um oh uh, <laughs> yeah i think it's a great choice uh obvious again not not like i don't know that i would have like even had this in my my top 10 or 20 but uh but yeah solid yeah. and, and I, I saw everybody kind of got the good head nod going mm -hmm. as we were listening yeah it's very complete josh you were very thorough <laughs> thank yeah. you thank you isn't, isn't he thorough <laughs> that, very, that's very that's thorough. the word thorough. i do a lot of homework ed uh do you, what are your thoughts on fight the power um obviously the first time i've heard this song was earlier this morning before i uh when i listened to it before the show <laughs> um and and what i what i like about it is it, it it's like that it's like the the everlasting struggle of, of like, uh, of the like David and Goliath story, mm -hmm. like and like that, like and that's a great uh, theme for 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 a song, and and I think yeah, it, it's fun. It's not like uh, like whatever era of rap this is. What is this like 80, 89? Okay, yeah, the mm -hmm. eighty nine. 89 R&B is probably not my thing. I was into Paul Abdul at the time. Uh, I was like, in 89, how that. old were you, Ed? I was, I was singing along to Paul Abdul, as supposedly <laughs> as a one-year-old, which would be less surprising given my, given my choice this week. But um, I, I, it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. And it's, it's a message that still can be resounded today. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the recurring themes in all of Spike Lee's work, even the bad stuff, is really my takeaway from Spike Lee's work is pick a side, all sides are wrong. Like, I feel like that's what he's always trying to say. And what I like about this song is that this song is very much in that state being like, pick a side. Brett, this, what do you feel about this one? Uh, I, I saw the movie once. I've heard the song twice. This is This would be the second time. I think it's a good choice. I'm going to jump back on the Spike Lee side of things. <laughs> One thing I love about him is that there are so many different points of views in his movies. Yeah. So it's not, there's no polarization. And you're right. Everybody ends up being wrong. So that is my pick for this week. Fight the power. Ed, let's turn it over to you. And uh, I want to hear your thoughts and your pick on your songs from movies. Okay. Um, I was debating between this song and a repo, the genetic opera song. But I decided to go this way because it was the first song in a movie that really spoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I imagined it was like, like most of America, being a child going through a divorce. Like the first wife's club was, 
with like like was good soothing material for me and um of course like feminist agenda etc and and i i chose you don't own me because it's like it's like a female power anthem and it's it's just fun i think that's the key to it it's fun it's a strong melody and let's take a listen to it and don't tell me what to do and don't tell me what to say and when i go out with you don't put me on display pretty good you remember you don't own me don't try to change me in any way you don't own me don't tie me down because i'll never stay So I love this song. It's so much fun from start to finish. It has a it has a strong, empowering message. And and I think like if you look at the history of this song, it was originally released in 1963. Most recently a cover done in 2015 by Grace featuring G Eazy, which went platinum in the United States, mind you, not just like in New Zealand, which it also did go platinum there. But <laughs> uh like like this song is everlasting and 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 as long as there's inequality between the genders, it will forever be a song to turn to so for, for the foreseeable future let's go with that um uh what are, jen what are your thoughts about uh what is your thoughts in your relationship with this song i i love this song i mean and honestly the first time i heard it was probably in dirty dancing yeah the blow monkeys version and yeah dancing. so that that is my experience with it and i and i love it i mean it's I don't think it's exclusively a female empowerment song. I think it's a song, you know, any that could apply to anybody, you know, who who feels like, you know, they're being uh, controlled I, or I, oppressed. So yeah, I, I think it. I think that. I think that message is universal. It's. I love the way the song builds. It's. It's. It is. It's fun, and um, yeah, empowering, and and I really like it. And, and I forgot how sweet this movie was. I probably haven't seen it since it came out maybe like a handful of times shortly thereafter on you know hbo or something like that but uh it was it was fun watching them again <laughs> yeah i i totally agree with what you're saying i think i think why the song like works for me not a woman is like it gives the details from that perspective and you as the as the as the single longer can mm -hmm. put yourself in in their story through their story like like it isn't like well it might not be about like oh i want to see other men mm -hmm. etc but because you want to like because what like you don't want to be told what to do you could you could you could implant what whatever it is in your mind of like oh don't like don't tell me what to do and i think that's like something something that i think is really strong about ed sheeran's don't is like it's like very specific to him but you could feel you could put your story in his story. Yeah. So I think that's like a, a trademark of great songs. And I think also, you know, and, and when it comes to relationships, people often find themselves getting lost in that other person or in that relationship. And, you know, it's, you know, every relationship requires a certain amount of compromise. And then, 
you know, and that's great when it works and there's, there's a, a balance, but you know, sometimes you find yourself in a position where you realize that it, it's no longer compromise. You've now, you know, been totally controlled and, and taken over by this other person. So I, 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 I like the, the strength and the message. It's definitely one of those evergreen songs. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a song that, like, every ten years, somebody re-records it, and it finds uh, a, a, a new audience. Essentially, um, <clears throat> you know, the original version by Leslie Gore is such like an amazing uh, performer from back in the day, and had such an incredible story as like getting her start as in these kind of like girl group mm -hmm. songs, always pushing uh in her work to do these more anthemic almost feminist anthems long before they were popular just being a, a, a having a really great life story leslie gore um yeah i remember the blow monkeys version from dirty dancing which actually creeped me out as a child because i just couldn't wrap my head around it uh ed do you want to do you want to say what you told me in your email when you picked this song what oh, what did i say oh oh because i'm because i'm gay is that why yeah. i said this is that the way you're going at? Yeah, you were like, I'm picking uh, First Wives Club, or I'm picking You Don't Know Me from First Wives Club because I'm a homosexual. And I was oh, like... Oh, yeah, because <laughs> cause the, what made me think of this song relatively recently is there's there's been a Facebook suggestion uh, advertising of, of, of a t-shirt that features the three First Wives. And I was like, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> and and I, I'm like, of course, Facebook algorithms... They they understand you as a person because they could tell by what you like and it's, it's just how it goes. Yeah, I try to click on random stuff just to mess it up, <laughs> just to keep it guessing. Well, why is this song? Why Ed, do you think this song has become such a gay anthem? I think it has because like the the empowering to to do what you want when you want is is like is like the whole like I don't know is that like well. I don't know if it's a whole gay experience, but it, it's a it's a facet of it, mm. and it's like it's like the core of the message. And I think I think things are happening that are interesting with gender fluidity now. Mm -hmm. Like even with like I think I think like the like I could like the growing of bromance culture is like really shifting things. And there's like the anti-gay movement within the gay community. So there's, there's lots of things at work now, but in the end we all want to be empowered, at least secretly deep down. So that's why. <laughs> that's interesting. Also, I, I, I think just from an aesthetic perspective, it seems like uh, gay culture loves a good torch song. And this is one of the great torch songs. Brett, what, what are your feelings on uh, you don't own me? Uh, well, I liked the movie, but I like everybody in it, and that's usually why I like a movie. Oh, okay. Um, and I love this song. My parents grew up in the, probably like everyone's parents, or maybe not. My parents grew up in the 50s and 60s, and this was the music that we had playing in our house. Mm. And for me, it's just, it's a familiar song. And I grew up in this weird 50s-ish household, but with modern sensibilities where there were like no specific roles. Like my dad was the breadwinner, and my mother took care of the kids, but... It wasn't like we weren't raised to with the same, I guess, with the same strict values. Mm -hmm. Like we were really told you could do whatever you want. You could go whatever you want. And this, I remember my sisters singing this. And when my other sister, who was 13 years younger than us, heard this song, she started singing it. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was kind of it was kind of nice. It really is a big, it is a big, powerful song for someone to sing. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
That's awesome. Well, that is Ed's pick for this week. You don't own me. Let's turn it over to Brett. Please take it away with your pick this week on the 2000. Uh, no, this week is <laughs> songs from movies. <laughs> All right. So uh, this week, uh, this week, the first time. So I picked and then he kissed me by the crystals. Now, this was uh, written by Phil Spector, Ellie Greenwich, Greenwich, Greenwich and, and Jeff Barry. And it, uh, it's it been on the Rolling Stones' top list of greatest songs of all time. But most important, <laughs> it was the opening to the movie Adventures in Babysitting. Well, he walked up to me and he asked me if I wanted to die. He looked kind of nice and so I said I might take a chance. When he danced, he held me tight. And when he walked me home at night, all the stars were shining bright. And then he kissed me. Each time I saw him, I couldn't wait to see him again. I wanted to let him know that he was more than a friend. I didn't know just what to do. So I whispered, I love you. He said that he loved me too. And then he kissed me. Alright, so the reason that I picked this song is that it is... It is simple and plain, and it tells a story that I think is getting kind of crapped on these days. Where, hey, someone met somebody, they asked them to dance, they went on a date, they got proposed to, and I imagine in my head they got married down the future. And it's this sort of, like, um, and it's a story, it's a simple happy story, and, and I feel like lately everything is so angry and people are reinterpreting lyrics to everything to mean horrible horrible things and josh knows what i'm talking about i do i do we've had this conversation we have had this conversation and i think but i think the context of this song is something that is pure and wouldn't change within meaning and it was kind of interesting as i was looking through the history of it and other bands have covered it like the beach boys and kiss and they were guy bands and they covered it from the perspective of the guy but the story was exactly the same which I thought was interesting that each one of them kept it exactly the same, but told from the boy's point of view. Um, and then the crystals, they're awesome. Mm -hmm. They have this, uh, I'm trying to, I wrote this down. I found this on Wikipedia. I'm not going to say I made it up. Uh, the naive schoolgirl sound. Mm -hmm. And there are other songs, the big ones were, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow and Tonight's the Night. And those were more detailed, adult oriented about kind of like the flush of insecurity after first love. But I don't think that they're as strong as this because of the because of the simplicity in it. And just watching Elizabeth Shue enjoy herself and kiss the picture of Bradley Whitford in the beginning of it <laughs> and and the outfit changes. It was just I can't divorce that image from the song because it was so strong for me at that time yeah. yeah the story of this song within the context of the movie is at the very beginning of the movie elizabeth shoe is isn't she is she getting ready for a date or she, she's waiting for him to she's call she's getting ready for a yep, date yeah just waiting for him, for him to pick him she's up she's just dancing around her. her bedroom while this song plays and like and i can i can always see when she when she goes underneath her drapes and she lets it fall over yep. her head like a wedding veil of like oh my god yeah. it's so cute because we so all Chris did that columbus with like, direct that that was yeah. was actually his first the first film that he directed. Wow. And if you watch the film, it's very Goonies-esque. I oh, can totally yeah. see that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris Columbus is amazing. I mean, 
up there with John Hughes. We love you, Chris Columbus. Goonies, Gremlins. Rent. What? Goonies, Stepmom. Gremlins, Rent. (laughs) Wait, Rent? Really? (laughs) He did did the movie version of Rent. It's terrible. Uh, (laughs) Harry Potter 2. Come on. It's the worst Harry Potter. He made the two worst Harry Potter movies. He just produced but he them. Made them. He didn't. He, he directed didn't. the first two. Oh, did he? I thought he just produced the first. You two. I liked. I liked about the first two Harry Potter films is I liked how straight on it was. Yeah, they were. I, they were very literal to the book, and it was. I mean, and the the books were still very fanciful and young and playful as the kids were, but um, but no, I mean, Adventures in Babysitting is like an amazing film i loved that film again like and i for years i thought it was john hughes because it's very much yeah, in that too. in that mm-hmm. same vein but yeah no chris columbus is uh, fantastic all right and i think that i have the number one fact that might clinch the song for the week and i'm just gonna Go i'm just on. gonna read this right off so the the song infi- inspired the sun front page headline after charles and lady die got married um, it was a picture of them, and the headline said, "And then he kissed her." Oh wow! Oh man! All right, all right. I do all have right. a thing for the royals. That's a good push. Oh, my God, I got a soft spot for the royals. That's a there. good push. My mom woke me up so we could watch that. The, yeah, their mine, wedding. Mine, mine too. Yeah. <laughs> it was a. This was definitely the moment where my entire generation fell in love with Elizabeth Shue. That oh. love affair only lasted like four movies, but we were in love with her pretty hardcore. I still love her. It didn't start with uh, the Karate Kid. Uh, well, she's such a minor character in the Karate Kid. Mm. Like that, that, the Karate Kid is all about Daniel San, but like oh, this on. movie was about Elizabeth Shue. She was a supporting character. She was yeah. a strong supporting strong character. independent. Oh, of course. He but went yeah. on a. Date. It's not like Robin Lively in the third one, like the Karate Kid Part Three. Ed, have you seen Adventures? I should I even ask? Ed, what are you, do you have any thoughts on uh, the crystals and then he kissed me? Uh, it's very sweet. And I like I like the beat was uh like it reminded me of like oh like a like a horse journey like uh, a stride there <laughs> yes, you go sure. <laughs> there you go a stride and yeah, yeah it's fun it's I'm... like yeah it's it feels classic but not I I I wish I wish I knew it better. Well, this is, you know, this recording, as you say, that beat and uh, the recording, you know, wall of sound recording written by Phil Spector. Like, this is one of his great moments, this and then to do run run being considered like the two pinnacles of Phil Spector and the wall of sound uh, and the sound that essentially uh, uh, Brian Wilson spent the rest of his career trying to recreate (laughs) and failing. Um, And even now, like the Dolly Rots, like they start almost every song with this, with that beat trying to recreate those these couple girl group moments that phil Spector did and even he wasn't able to redo when he did like the ramones records and the leonard cohen records mm-hmm. later in his career uh there, there's a lot of stuff here from a musical perspective from a pro- music production perspective which are pretty one of a kind and pretty at their prime uh so this is a really good pick um adventures in babysitting is it the most <laughs> memorable movie though like it's fantastic <laughs> just hearing those first two notes when the when the song kicks off i'm like oh yes and then this happened and then this happened like oh my gosh and remember when she did this and oh but then the disney channel remade it last year and it was terrible i didn't watch that's their problem (laughs) i watched it it was not good oh i I don't even think i heard about it i I wouldn't have watched well maybe out of curiosity Mm. but no, it, it's it's just a, such a great film. So many so many great actors. Like like you know, you were saying about um, oh, Bradley Whitford. Yes, when he only played oh, dirtbags. Vin- and Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes, as yes. Thor. 
so cute. <laughs> oh, just everything, everything about it. And then, oh gosh, who was the guy that she met at the frat party that she then? Who was, he, was that? He, Josh Charles? No, it was Brad. Um, Bradley. Uh, yeah. Oh, and the the blues, the blues part where they're yes. singing the Baby City Blues, which is a little contrived. <laughs> yeah. I will admit, but it was so fun. Nobody it leaves fun until they the sing the blues. Yeah. That's right. And they reused it. It wasn't just a throwaway thing. Yes. That is true. Yes. <laughs> George Newburn. George Newburn. George Newburn. Not even, not that even was close. A college student. Yeah. That very. Was... One of, he's very much a that guy though. Like a yeah. hey, it's that guy type of guy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, that is Brett's pick for this week, The Crystals, and Then He Kissed Me. Or actually, Then He Kissed Me. There's no and in the title. So, The Crystals, Then He Kissed Me uh, from Adventures in Babysitting. And uh, that brings us to our summations round where we go back around the circle and everybody gets to give their final notes on why you should pick their song. And everyone else's songs are so bad that uh, their Spotify account should be revoked and they should only be able to use Groove Shark. Um, so let's start with Jennifer. Jennifer, <laughs> do you want to make some final statements on why everyone should pick your song, which was "Don't You Forget"? <laughs> I'm just sometimes I write it down. This one was from memory. Uh, "Don't You Forget About Me" forgot. by Simple Minds from the movie The Breakfast Club. Actually, I, I think that's my defense right there. Like, uh, <laughs> okay, so "Don't You Forget About Me" again. It is. It is for me. It became part of my soundtrack for the 80s for for high school and college um again it's this wonderful rock new wave sound um it's you know the the the, the tale of you know wanting to belong wanting to be loved wanting to be a part of something and the movie you know you, you can't think of one and not think of the other and, you know, they start the movie with the song to kind of, you know, set up, set the tone for it. You, you meet all the, uh, in, you know, the, the, the five players in this, you know, four hour story. Well, I think it was only four hours. Yeah. Um, and then they end it with it. And, you know, and you see Bender out on the football field, you know, just throwing his fist in the air in this victorious moment because, you know, for that one afternoon, Five people who, you know, on paper don't belong together, have nothing in common, had this great connection, this great bond, and they overcame societal boundaries. Sincerely, The Breakfast Club. There you go. <laughs> well, I guess I'm up next. Uh, I will make my one last final call to help you vote for Fight the Power by Public Enemy from the movie Do the Right Thing. Um, you know, it, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. If you haven't seen it, it will destroy you. Uh, it's one of the greatest uh, hip-hop bands of all time. And uh, I was really excited to get to talk about hip-hop this week because we haven't talked really about mm -hmm. hip-hop on the show yet. Um, and uh, it's, it's just one of those songs, you know, uh, to go around like... I, I really like uh, Don't You Forget About Me, but I do think it doesn't, it really only exists in an 80s context. Um, I really like You Don't Own Me, but uh, I feel that outside of a feminist anthem, I'm not sure it really uh, lives on. Uh, and I really like The Crystals, um, but you know, the song is kind of light. And then here's a song which is as powerful now as the day it was written in 1989 is as applicable to our lives today as it was then sadly if not more so, and yeah. uh it is just one of those moments that like 
by the end of Fight the Power, uh, you have been given a very specific question. Pick a side, and you know what side you're going to be on. And I just think it's a it's an incredible piece of music and an incredible piece of activism, all wrapped up. Um, and uh, it has Flavor Flav, who wears a giant clock and shouts. Right now, Chuck D, fun fact, has retired, lives in my hometown in Ventura. Huh. Uh, people always see him at the Trader Joe's. I like to picture that. There was a time where Chuck D was on the mean streets of Philadelphia, and now he's shopping at the Trader Joe's in my hometown. In Ventura, California. In Ventura, California. Wow. A very a pleasant place. Nice little mid-century modern row house, uh, <laughs> from what I'm told. So that is my vote. I think you should vote. I don't think there's any question for Fight the Power by public enemy i'm turning over to ed ed make your last final notes comments beg for votes whatever it takes to get your votes for leslie gore's you don't own me well, um i don't think i need to fight for like i don't think i need to beg for your vote because i think there's a really good strong case to be made here uh you don't own me is an anthem for anyone who's who's ever felt that they weren't in in like in uh, power of their own lives and it's it's important like it, that when you're up against societal standards that you need to push through them and i realize that this is kind of a specific a feminist context but it, it could be appreciated universally and i think yeah i think that you don't owe me is a is a great song and have you heard that melody it's amazing so <laughs> so i i I don't think I think Josh is disparaging it by saying it's only a feminist anthem. I think it truly is an anthem for all. Um, I agree, and I'm just trying to get people to vote for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, last final notes, uh, final plea for the crystals. Then he kissed me from Adventures in Babysitting. Okay, well, first I just want to say that I think everyone made great picks on their songs. Aw, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, now okay. now the beatdown. Come on, tell now, us tell us why we suck. So now the beatdown. I can't. It's 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 too hard. Okay, so I'm gonna. Here's my plea. It, we're kind of in a weird time right now, and um, I think something that we need for the future is hope. And I cannot think of the four songs which song is more hopeful of a positive future than. He, then he kissed me music okay for most people music is an escape it's informing it's fun it's all of those things and i think that this particular song is a is a moment in everyone's mind of a happy girl who is enjoying life running around her room trying on outfits so that she can meet a boy and then at, even at the end of the movie they fulfill the song where she mm -hmm. has met this guy he has asked her to dance and she ends up kissing him goodnight now i don't know if chris and brad got married but i would like to think that they did and that is why you should pick that song well that is it for us and now it is up to you the listener dear listener it is time for you to vote for which of our songs is the best song from movies that you heard this week you can vote on twitter by tweeting us at beatdownpod you can email us at beatdownpodcast at gmail.com and you can tell us on facebook at facebook.com slash beatdownpodcast and let us know what you think is the ultimate song from movies that you heard this week and it goes without saying you'll want to tell us all of the many songs that we forgot to mention we'll be back next week when our themes will yeah one more time we'll be back next week when our theme will be songs from your funeral that's right the song that you want played at your funeral is our theme next week i, I have 
put way too much thought into that topic. Uh, <laughs> Brett, if people want to follow you online, uh, where would they go? They can go to two places. They can go to at a drinking game or at Schlankville. And I'm going to let you figure out how to spell that. Okay. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, is there a website on a drinking game you'd like to direct people to? Uh, you can go to adrinkinggame.com. Uh, hopefully we'll be having a new site up soon. <laughs> one's a little dated. I love it, but it, 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 it's a little old. And uh, Jennifer, if people want to follow you online, where should they go? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Jenny B Creative. And Ed, online, where is the where are you at? I'm just excited that I spelled Slankville correctly on my first guess. I'm Nicely done. <laughs> so, play, uh, you know, you know where I'm at. I don't need to say it. <laughs> All right. And you can find me at Josh Brunell, B-U-R-N-E-L-L, because apparently I need to say it. Uh, and that is it for us. We'll be back next week for another beatdown. Thanks for joining us. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. <laughs> night. Beatdown is a production of Us and it is recorded in Studio O, the office attached to our garage. Our theme song is Optimism by the Numbers by Brian Lerner and thanks to him for letting us use it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find the show and spreads the word that I can go on way too long about anything when given the opportunity. The music clips we discuss in this podcast are used in compliance with the U.S. Copyright Act, fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. If you want to listen to the songs we talked about this week in their entirety, visit us on Twitter at BeatdownPod, online at BeatdownPodcast.com, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BeatdownPodcast.